When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Future. We're talking real money. Well, hello again. Let's start out today's exciting episode of Talking Real Money, the Friday Q&A show, with a bit of a nostra culpa. It's not just a mea culpa, it's an us a culpa. Yeah, a multi-culpa is a nostra culpa. <laughs> Who cares, right? Just get on with it, Don. Uh, well, um, earlier this week, the end of November, we had a call asking if you could take a tax loss outside of an IRA and then buy the same darn thing inside an IRA. And of course, we were just thinking logically. We really didn't look it up. And it's a question that literally has never come up. So neither of us looked it up. We looked at each other and went, yeah, that would be stupid if you weren't allowed to. Well, it's the IRS. So what do you think? Uh, the IRS actually doesn't write the code. It's Congress that writes the code. And, you know, when, when you consider the fact that it's Congress that writes the tax code, you can certainly understand why it's such a flipping disaster. So we want to apologize for giving out the wrong answer. We have since removed the wrong answer from the podcast. So those of you in search of the wrong answer will not find it anymore because it made no sense to keep the wrong answer on the podcast. So I took it out. So there we have it. And now we can get into today's exciting episode in which I answer your questions that you sent in to TalkingRealMoney.com by punching on the contact form. That will allow you to record a question. Yes, you can also type them, but recording them is more fun for us. So let's get to the first one in chronological order. Here we go. Hey, Don and Tom. This is Joe from St. Louis. My question is regarding, I'm 40 years old, and uh, my wife is going to have our first kid soon in the next couple months. I just want to know what I should do if I need to start a 529, and if so, what you recommended. And also, if I should get life insurance, I don't have any. Currently, I have, I'm an educator, so I have a teacher's pension, but I don't have anything beyond that. So I just wanted to get any recommendations you guys had. Thanks so much. What should you do? Well, congratulations. Um, life insurance. Let's start with that. Yeah, you should have life insurance. You now have another person who is totally dependent on your income you and your wife's if she's if she works outside the home. So uh, both of you should have life insurance if you both work outside the home. If you're the only one who works outside the home, um, you might want to have a little life insurance on your wife because there will be care costs for the child. And I'm talking about term life only. Shop around for term life. Do not buy whole life. You are it, insurance should never be an investment. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, in future episodes. So, uh, no, only buy term life and make sure you have enough to, well, when you have a child, 
you might want to have enough to get that child at least through secondary school, if not through post-secondary. So it's going to, when you're, when you're right at the beginning, it's going to be a pretty big policy. It's going to be a pretty big policy, but you're young. So it'll be pretty cheap. As for the other thing, do a 529. They are a wonderful way to save for a child's education and you get that nice tax-free growth, which is wonderful. I'd look at the Utah or the West Virginia plan because they have funds that we really like and they have low costs, really good costs. You'll find some that are lower costs, but they usually have terrible investments in them. So thank you so much for the call. We really appreciate it. Not really a call, the recording on the website, TalkingRealMoney.com. Click the contact form. That's how the whole darn thing works. Hi, Don and Tom. It's your friend, Napoleon. Question for you about collective investment trusts. My 401k well, recently it- switched from mutual funds to collective investment trusts. This is new to me. The plan's administered by Fidelity, but most of the funds, or what had been funds, were all invested in Vanguard products. So there's been a change. Um, I can see maybe some benefits, like my costs have been reduced, even though they were never very much to begin with because they were invested with Vanguard. However, uh, I'm looking at maybe some drawbacks as well, but maybe I'm misinformed. I'm just wondering if you guys wouldn't mind talking about CITs and give me a little heads up as to some of the benefits, some of the drawbacks, and maybe what I should be thinking about or looking forwards to when I decide to retire in probably seven years and go to um, put my 401k into my own IRA. Thanks. Take care. It seems that everything old is new again. Collective investment trusts have been around for a long time. They've just become a little bit more popular because they're being pushed as something that's less expensive because they're not under the control of the Securities and Exchange Commission. These are actually uh, controlled by bank regulators and ERISA. Now, how does that work? Well, it's a trust. It's a bank trust. A group of individuals or companies get together. They put a bunch of securities in a trust at a bank in beneficial interest of the holders of these, the members of this trust. You're members of the trust, really. And so you've got a, a, a bank group managing it. Then you have mutual fund companies involved. And yeah, they say the prices are supposed to be lower, but here's the biggest problem with CITs. Opacity. They don't have to do all of that public reporting that is required of so many other companies. So you really don't know. You got to take their word for it, that they're doing what they're, what they say they're doing. And you know, Fidelity, yeah, you can probably count on them to do it. Most people you can, but I don't know. And as for that lower expense ratio, again, I can't check because nobody publishes their expense ratios. You, you know more than I do, I hope. But I was looking up some CIT funds that are used in CITs, and I found one, just one from uh, Rothschild. That's the U.S. Small Mid Cap. It's used in Fidelity CIT funds or CIT programs. 
But get this, this fund, it's a, uh, a small company growth value fund. It's not much cheaper than cheaper because this thing has a uh, 0.85% expense ratio. That's that's pretty high for even mutual funds. So I don't know if they're that much cheaper. Companies are always looking for a way to cut a little cost somewhere, and maybe this helps. But uh, having Fidelity running it, well, that's good. And be very particular about your funds. Oh, the other thing that I've seen sometimes is they don't have a lot of great offerings. But again, I don't know what your plan has. Thank you, though, for the call. <laughs> Thank you, though, for the question. And uh, let's go take another one. Hi, my name is Mike. I'm calling on behalf of my daughter. Uh, she's being pitched a structured annuity. I'm familiar with the disadvantages of most annuities, the commissions, the surrender charge, all the disadvantages, but I'm not as familiar with structured annuities, which seem to be a different animal. The one she's being pitched has a 10% downside protection and 125% premium against five indexes. And the one that she's looking at is being promised no fees as the insurance company is offsetting fees by their doing options trading. So I'm just wondering about structured annuities in general, just not familiar with them. Thank you for your help. Well, I hope the salesperson trying to sell your daughter this product isn't somebody with whom you or she are close because I am not going to be particularly nice to them. I think this person, if they told you some of the things they told you, actually told you those things, this person is is either incompetent or just a bald-faced liar. Just a bald-faced liar. Now, let's take this thing apart. What a, a structured annuity is just another name for a product like the equity indexed annuities that we've talked about for so long. And these annuities involve the most convoluted, complicated, and, well, what's the best word? Um, misleading? No, I, I think outright prevarication. They lie. They just outright lie to sell these things. They tell you that they'll give you the return of the market. That's just bunk. That's just absolute bunk. You cannot possibly get the return of the market with no downside risk. If such a product existed, no one else would invest anywhere else. The reality is you only get a percentage of the return of the market. The same thing with the, the structured annuity. She's not going to get 100% or 125% of the return of the market. It's going to be some convoluted index, and it's only going to be on the appreciation over a particular time frame within certain parameters. The complexity will blow your mind if you try to figure this out. It really will. Get hold of your or her um, disclosure statement. I'm assuming that this person gave her one. Uh, and look in there for uh, for the... the uh, not they, they won't show you fees, but look in there for what the, the, the caps are and the percentages of the returns are and see if you can figure that out. And then look a little deeper. I bet you find a little thing called a surrender charge. And I bet that surrender charge is probably right around 10%. Now, what do you think a surrender charge is there for? Is that there 
to protect you, to keep you invested. We just really want to discourage you from taking any money out. No. The surrender charge exists to pay, for you to pay back the commission that the insurance company paid up front to the agent. So if you see 10%, then you can be pretty confident that the agent and his or her firm got 7, 8, 9% commissions, maybe 10. This is a product that your daughter should run screaming from. It is bad from all manner of perspectives. The average annual return on these things uh, has been in the mm, 3 to 4% range. And doesn't that strangely sound a lot like the return on just a plain vanilla fixed annuity? Think about it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't touch it. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can send questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com, either written or verbal. Verbal's better. Let's go do another one. Hello, Don and Tom. I am in need of your advice. I'm currently 66 years old and considering retirement within the next six months. I am invested with Vanguard. I have both a traditional IRA, which holds about $300,000, and a Roth 401k at Fidelity, which holds about $150,000. I also have a mortgage with a 4.25% interest rate and a balance of about $125,000. I'm considering paying off our house, but I know that if I withdraw money from my traditional IRA that I'm going to pay taxes on it. Vanguard is suggesting that I just go ahead and stay fully invested in the marketplace. However, my wife would like to pay off the house. And very frankly, I'd like to get rid of that big bill. So I'd like your opinion. Which is the best way to go on this? Pay off the house or withdraw money from maybe one or both of my 401ks. Your opinion, please. I've often said that the right answer to questions is always it depends. Because in this case, the right answer to your question is, mm, it depends. Financially, let's just speak strictly financially. Financially, it's probably a terrible move. Because if you... Let me go back a step. To get $125,000 to pay off your mortgage from your regular IRA, you're going to need to liquidate in excess of $150,000, or you're going to ex uh, uh, you're going to get out $120, but you're going to have to pay another $30,000 in taxes. So you're losing earning power on $150,000. If $150,000 was sitting in a current one-year CD in today's rate environment it would earn about $1,000 more per year than you are paying out in interest on the mortgage. So financially, and if you can make more than 4%, 4.5%, then wow, you're in great shape. Uh, but so financially, bad idea. Bad idea, just is. You got a great mortgage, particularly in this environment. The, the correct answer, though, comes down to how important is it to you to have a paid-for house? Is this your truly your forever house? This is where, barring a nursing home, 
you are going to live and probably die, again, barring a nursing home? If the answer is yes, and having a free and clear roof over your head is important, then the answer, the correct answer is maybe. Yeah. It's not 100%, though, because we think that we have this paid-for house, but in reality, you've got all these other expenses that you have to take care of, so you're never going to really pay off the house. you got to pay taxes. you got to keep fixing it up. got to repair things, so you never really own it. We're always, well, think about it. We're sort of renting life. There's not a lot of ownership of anything. It's all very temporary. I'm getting way, way too philosophical. So uh, financially, no. Emotionally, maybe. Thanks for the question. I really appreciate it. Let's get another one in. Hi, Tom and Don. Two questions for you today. I wanted to ask about um, rolling out money um, from a 403B retirement account, which I have because I'm an educator rolling it out um, at retirement into an IRA. Uh, And I I believe that is possible and maybe even wise, but I've read uh, that sometimes the legal protections uh, in an IRA are not as great as they would be in a 403B or a 401k. And so I was just, I wanted to ask uh, if indeed that is true. uh, And if so, what legal protections might one lose in an IRA as compared to a 403B or a 401K? I split your question in half, so we're going to do one half at a time. Moving a 403B into an IRA has a lot of potential benefits in uh, investment opportunities, potential for lower fees because some 403B products can be very expensive, greater control, uh, I, I, I'm generally in favor of the idea, but there is, you, you raise a good point. There is one drawback and it's not a big drawback because it depends on the state in which you live. 401ks and 403bs are regulated federally and therefore the federal law does not allow those assets to be attached in a bankruptcy. At least that's my understanding. However, in some states, an IRA could possibly be attached in a bankruptcy or some other legal action. So that's the if you if you think the odds are high of you going bankrupt in the future, or you uh, you you worry that you're going to end up in some court action, <laughs> tie up your money. Well, then maybe stay. But otherwise, the benefits I think outweigh the detriments. Now on to your next question. Second question, I wanted to ask about the permissibility of rolling out um, money from an HSA account uh, at one vendor into a, a second HSA account um, at a another vendor. And in particular, my employer has an HSA uh, that they prefer that we use. It's not, not a bad vendor, uh, and so I've used them. Uh, but I do have an HSA account uh, at another lower cost vendor. And so I was wondering about the permissibility of rolling money from one HSA account into another HSA account while leaving that first account uh, still open uh, to, to use with my employer 
uh, going forward. I hope those questions make sense, and thanks for your help. You're allowed to transfer, and let's get our terminology right. When you roll something, you actually take possession of the money and then move it into a new account. Rollovers are restricted with HSAs and with IRAs. You can't do them very often, I think, annually. Transfers are unrestricted, and transfers are really flexible. So you can transfer from almost any HSA to almost any other HSA. The only potential fly in the ointment is the fact that you're a participant, whether or not your company, your business, allows those in-service transfers I don't know that they're required. I'm not 100% either way, but I know with 401ks, they have to allow in-service transfers. But yeah, transfers from HSA to HSA to HSA, they are allowed. And thank you for your question. Thank you all for your questions. You guys ask great questions. You provide tons of help. You're really a, an integral part of the show, and, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being there all the time and listening. If you need help, you can always call us at 855-935-TALK. As a matter of fact, Tom and I will be in studio on the 3rd of December doing a show. The 3rd of December and then uh, I guess that would mean the 10th of December too and probably the 18th too. So you can call us at 855-935-8255 during the show live. But if you don't make that, just call anytime or go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click on the contact form and leave a question. If you have a more complex issue, you want to know where to turn to get advice, how to get a plan started, what that portfolio you have actually has in it, you'd be surprised. What are you paying? Um, we have people who will help you do that. They're fiduciary advisors. And unlike so many other firms that say, hey, call us for a free consultation, uh, this will not, this will not be a sales pitch. You will leave with valuable information. So you can make an appointment right now at TalkingRealMoney.com. Just click on Meet an Advisor, or you can call our offices at 800-386-3004 during business hours to talk to someone. So there you go. Thank you all for being there. Please tell friends, neighbors, relatives, everybody you meet about Talking Real Money. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a nice review at Apple Podcasts. I'm Don McDonald. Be back with Tom tomorrow. I'm just going to hang out for a while thinking about it. And then, of course, tomorrow, Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time. So please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?